Welcome to the Auxiliary Gate Podcast, a weekly discussion about Kentucky horse racing and handicapping. And now here are your hosts, C.C. Broadus, Alan Schneider, and Brandon Jaggers. And welcome back to the Auxiliary Gate Podcast. I'm C.C. Broadus. Joined, as always, by Alan Schneider. Hello, everybody. We've got Churchill on the fold, Keeneland on the way, Breeders' Cup coming. Uh, it's a pretty good time to be a horse racing fan around here. And back from a quick hiatus, Mr. Brandon Jaggers. I think Kentucky Downs is already done. I barely got to play. <laughs> Ain't that the truth? I tell you what, it, Tuesday and Wednesday killed me. I mean, I, I had to take out a small loan. Uh, just to repay my debts uh, they, they crushed me on tuesday and wednesday i was alive for that pick four late wednesday but uh gosh i love that meat i'm so sad that it's gone already i mean it's, it was only six days and it's just great great racing it's weird racing uh they got that strange configuration but uh guys uh, any uh any comments on the on the kentucky downs meat that we only knew for a few days I'm with you. um, We've said it before. We said it last week. I love Kentucky Downs. I think it's more formful than people give it credit for. I think there's certain jockeys that know the course real well. Florent Giroux, Tyler Gaffleon, a host of others. And there's trainers that point for it. And Wesley Ward and Mike Maker, you could flat bet those guys, blind bet them, and probably turn a profit. You're going to have your, uh, your problems there from time to time, but it, it's a winnable meet. It's a fun meet. And I do regret the fact that we did not get to go down there this, this meet. But uh, I've thought that about a lot of meets currently. So can't oh. wait to go down there next year. Oh, yeah. God. It, go ahead, Brandon. I was really excited to take the podcast on the road trip down to almost Nashville there and get that, you know, at least, uh, you know, tailgate and, and watch the car and watch the Amen. races. And I mean, that I still have never been there to witness a race. But yet the the colony, the jockey colony that was there, the great co- you know competitiveness of everybody. Mike Maker was on fire those couple days. It's just so short lived. Uh, but at the same time, Kentucky Downs had a handful of problems for such a short meet <laughs> that you don't ever see any other tracks commit. So I, I hope you know with their handle being up, it's probably a wash based on the cost of all the other things they do business with. But I mean, I hope they reinvest back into the track. Let's all hope for that. And then, you know, their next meet comes out strong and with, you know, with less problems. Right. I, I kind of wish they would invest them in, in some infrastructure, maybe get some, get some seating in there, some, some, you know, maybe get some elevation because that's, that's the one problem I have is when you do go there, you you get, you set your lawn chair next to the rail and, and, you know, you got really one good view of the TV and it's, you know, it's, it's, it's not ideal for watching a race, but I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's fun. It's fun to be down there. And as, as for the mistakes, uh, you know, the, the only problem I really had was, was the, the race where they, they let go, uh, 10 of the 12 horses and two of them were behind the gate. And the only reason I'm mad about that is because I had the trifecta in that spot. And that really, that would have got me off to a good start with the meet. But, uh, you know, the other, I think it was on Tuesday, it may have been Wednesday. They, uh, they put the wrong horse on top, but they corrected it. I mean, it was, <laughs> it, it was fine. It, it, you know, if these people that want to criticize the track, get off your high horse. I mean, the, the, the track's only open six days. It's, 
they got a they got a piecemeal together the crew and stuff like that. It's not it's not perfect. Uh, it's it's you know it's it's a great track and they'll the, these are first time owners. I think the Winchells are behind this maybe uh, the guys behind Tappet and and those those nice horses and they'll 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 learn from this and move forward. Like I said, I like I'm like you. I hope they start investing some money in the track. I, it's a fun destination and also i'd like for them to run less races maybe spread them out maybe on like seven or eight days maybe run seven races a day instead of 10 because that track is eat up after six days of 10 and 11 races you know it's it's uh it's got to be somewhat dangerous toward the end of the meet but you know it's still fun i love the track and can't wait to get down there again someday this is a this is kind of like no man's land on the racing calendar there's churchill's got two weeks coming up but it's it's sandwiched in between derby and kentucky downs and saratoga and then keeneland is going to open up and then we're going to have preakness weekend so there's not a lot going on for the next two weeks here locally uh so let's let's mix in some uh maybe some racing terminology and maybe try to educate some of the newer listeners and 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 try to help them out a little bit first thing i want to talk about is a key race alan what's a key race a key race is a, is a race that ends up being stronger for the level than it first appears a race at a certain level that produces many next out winners uh that or, or horses that run well uh a race that you can sink your teeth into down the road thing you know what that race is stronger than it looks on paper because i know the horses that were in there performed well and that's something i can uh perhaps make some money on if, if i follow racing so that would be a positive key, key race uh what Brandon, what would you call a negative key race? A negative key race? Yes. I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate your honesty. I'll take that. That's uh, I, I, this basically the opposite of what I just said. You see a, a race at a certain level, and the horses that come out of it, out of that particular race, run poorly. Um, each of them run poorly in the next start. And as it turns out, that race was not as strong as it appeared. Whereas the first example is the race is stronger than it appeared. The negative key race would be uh, all the horses do not run very well. And you can, uh, as far as sinking your teeth into that, you would maybe try to avoid some of the horses coming out of those races. Right. Now, the problem with this is, is doing the research on finding this stuff out. But it's all speculation. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you'll hear a lot of a lot of people talk about what a positive key race and the negative key race is. The reason this, I brought this up uh, just looking at the last race at Churchill today, this is on Thursday, looking at a horse named Montgomery Park. He went off the second, excuse me, he went off the favorite today. This was a horse trained by Brad Cox. He's a two-year-old. He comes out of a race, though, that I thought was one of the strongest maiden races of the Ellis Park meet. He finished third behind a horse named Inject, who was a half-brother to the Belmont Stakes winner, Tapperit. That horse won by six lengths, and he won it in a really fast time, 57 and three-fifths seconds. The horse that was second was named Quick Money, and this was a $100,000 two-year-old purchase that I, th I know the connections had high hopes for. Then the third horse was this Montgomery Park from the Brad Cox stable. Now, the winner won by six lengths. The second horse was ahead of the third horse by a length and a half, and then the distance between third and fourth was six lengths. So I was expecting all of these three horses to come back and run well in their next start. Inject comes back in the Iroquois Stakes on Derby Day, and I know he went off low odds there. I think 
you know, everybody was interested in this horse and he finished up the track. Quick Money ran back on Derby Day as well, I believe. It was either it was either Oaks Day or Derby Day. He came back, set the pace and tired badly, so he was off the board. And then Montgomery Park comes back today in uh, uh, just an average maiden race, in my opinion. And he was mid-pack again. So he was, you know, finished fourth or fifth or sixth, something like that. So it was kind of frustrating because I thought my my opinion was wrong on this race. Turns out that it may, this this particular race, it was on run on August 15th at Ellis. And it does not look like it was a very strong race. Uh, of course, it, you know, the more information we get uh, from these horses going forward, you know, we might, we might, uh, we might think differently of this race. Uh, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know what, you know, it, it's interesting. These are two year olds and not running on LASIK. So, you know, each one of them could have bled up coming out of the race. So we don't know. And like I said, you don't want to draw a conclusion that quick, but I just thought it was interesting. Cool. We'd, we'd bring it up uh, just, just to talk cool. about it. And like you say, if you, if you, you hear anybody refer to a positive key race or a negative key race, you know, now, you know. I'm immediately going to contradict myself. The the horse that finished dead last in that August 15th race, I'm just looking it up here right now. Spitz came back to run second in the maiden race today. So yeah. maybe who knows? I mean, this, this it's it's hard. You probably shouldn't make a judgment call this early. Like I said, all these two year olds in Kentucky are not racing on LASIK, so you don't know. You know, horses bleed from the nostrils sometimes, or they bleed in their lungs uh, from from hard exercise so there's a chance some of these horses might bounce back so i you know I mean, we're just throwing it out there it just popped in my mind uh when I was yeah watching. what i would i would add one thing we we use this phrase a lot horse players use i use a lot not you may not use the phrase key race as much as you use a race that's strong for the level and that's just something you you know you you think a race is tougher than the average race at that level so when you hear us say strong for the level there's been some uh, performances in these races that make you think that, okay, that race is a little bit above par from what it usually is. And, and the flip side adds that some are below par. So, you know, it, it, it takes some investment. You don't want to make too many, draw too many conclusions, as you guys said. But, you know, it does, it can give you an edge if you kind of know the, the value of uh, the races moving forward. Yeah, I agree 100%. So, Alan, why don't you introduce our special guest today? Well, with Churchill Downs reopening today, it seemed like the perfect time to have our next guest on. She's a highly successful trainer on the Kentucky-Louisiana circuit, and her horses have earned over $11 million so far in her career. Her top horses have included the likes of Fault, Awesome Jill, Candace Crow, among countless others. If you're a listener of this show, you know approximately 30% of my handicapping game plan involves simply selecting her runners Time and again, it's that 30% that proves to be the only portion of my game plan worth listening to. (laughs) Of course, as we all know, I'm talking about Auxiliary Gate podcast favorite, Michelle Lavelle. Michelle, welcome to the show. Thank you. (laughs) Thanks for having me. Sure. uh, First off, the most important thing above all, is it Michelle Lavelle or Michelle Lovell? It's level like shovel. <laughs> oh, I, I apologize in advance because I've been mispronouncing your name for about 15 years now. That's okay. So does everybody. <laughs> I can see it. It rhymes. It's, it rolls off it, the tongue. Well, that's why. Yeah, that's why it's like, I don't know if I like it. Michelle Lavelle. It's, yeah, it kind of sounds like a rhyme. So, but yeah, it's level. This plain old oh. level. Well, I'll, pardon me if I screw it up. But anyway, Michelle Lovell, 
Um, <laughs> you started out as a jockey, um, but now you're a successful trainer. Do you think that experience, uh, did the experience grow the desire to become a trainer from being a jockey? Or was ultimately becoming a trainer your goal all along? Uh, no, I never uh, thought I'd ever be a trainer. Really? <laughs> so, no, I didn't. And I actually, you know, I started um, on the farms grooming and uh, for a short time doing the grooming and starting at the bottom and then wanting to ride horses so badly. So I exercised road breaking babies um, probably six or seven years before I ever made it to a racetrack. And uh, then got opportunities to ride some races, uh, which I really loved that that uh well exercise riding horses just riding horses is awesome and uh i just ended up training horses uh kind of by default just had horses that didn't sell in sales when i was doing some sales that we had um started under saddle and went through the sales with and just ended up having to kind of keep them and train them the owners were like do you want to train these and i was like sure so i started off with just a handful of them and um that's when i decided i wanted to be a trainer that's kind of how it happened. Cool. I can understand that. Uh, now, do you think being a former jockey gives you sort of any inherent advantage or a leg up, pardon the pun, over some of your training peers? I mean, did, did riding help you see things that um, maybe other trainers don't have an, have an eye for? You know, I always felt that way. Um, like I've said in the past, you know, I never got an opportunity to be an assistant trainer under anybody. Um so I learned to train horses kind of just th from a rider's perspective, uh, whether it be from using some of my experiences from breaking babies for all those years and then riding races. Um, it does definitely help to uh, get babies to mature a little bit more mentally. And uh, yeah, I feel and I get on my pony horse every day. I enjoy riding. So I go out there with my horses. So I don't get on my horses anymore. Like I used to gallop my own and breeze my own. Um, but I do think for me, it's been very, very helpful um, versus a trainer. And there's plenty of trainers that have never sat on the horse that are awesome at what they do. But I feel like that's where I um, uh, help my horses along by having that knowledge of um, being on them, kind of reading them. And, and now I communicate with my riders to do it. You know, I, I ride for, um, you know, vicariously through them. So that's great. That kind of makes sense there. And as I alluded to earlier, you are a mainstay on the fairgrounds Churchill circuit. And it's something I've always wondered. It seems like such a difficult task, but how difficult is it for a trainer to pack up everything at the end of a meet and head north or south and start completely over from scratch? Or, or is it a labor of love? Is it something you look forward to? Or is it, you know, quite the ordeal um it's an ordeal for everybody i think um because number one we got to make plans on you know and usually go back and forth to the same circuit and uh you know so it's a, a big plan that it goes um to make sure you have enough stall enough stabling where you're going to go you have enough horses that are that fit that meat and then you know um just tearing down a barn um, getting a place to rent, you know, getting all that stuff uh, settled on, you know, I own a home in Kentucky, but for four or five months out of the year, I'm somewhere else. And so, you know, getting all that, all your own personal things moved and then your whole barn, um, it's such a, a, you know, through the years you learn how to organize it. And I have virtually the same core team 
and they're awesome. Thank God for, you know, my foreman that's been with me for 15 years and a couple of my grooms have been with me for 13, 10 years, five years. So they just, they know what to do. They pack it all up, the horses, all their own belongings. And it's just a big day of um, packing and unpacking and making sure horses are, when they land to at their new barn, that they're all healthy and happy and they're taken care of before my guys get to move into their rooms and their dorm rooms and stuff. So, you know, definitely a labor of love um, for all of us. You know, uh, horses always come first for that move and it's a lot of hard work. Um, but it's like taking down a circus, I imagine, and putting it back up. <laughs> That's what it, it feels sure like. It sounds like it, yeah. Yeah. Well, with that in mind, that makes me think of something. Uh, which racetrack? Because, you know, Fairgrounds and Churchill are your primary destination. I'm sure you do a little Keeneland, a little Indiana Grand, maybe some Louisiana Downs. I'm not sure. But which which circuit has the better food? Would it be New Orleans? Or would it be Louisville? <laughs> slash totally New Orleans. I'm sorry. I knew There's the no food that. better. Yeah. I'm with you. I'm with you yeah. on that. Yeah, that's a 10 pound. That's a, everybody thinks, I think everybody gains probably between five and 10 pounds every winter just eating down there. The food is awesome. Yeah. It sounds like my kind of life. <laughs> um, you know, and I know you love all the horses you've trained throughout your career, but are there maybe one or two that stick out in your, your head, your heart more than some of the others? Well, gosh, you named them at the beginning of the, the I had a feeling I did. Yeah. I mean, um, you know, currently I've got um, I've got three stake horses in a 20 stall barn, so that's really exciting for me right now. I know. Um, you know, one of them was a claimer, former claimer, uh, change of control, and she's a stakes winner now. And of course, we want to get her, you know, graded stakes, and she's very healthy, sound filly. So hopefully, we'll keep her running into next year as well. And so she's so classy and so easy to be around and train. She's definitely a favorite of mine um uh the and the horse that I have um that I own half of I raised uh with my partner um Dr. Griffon from Houston and so he's definitely um out of all the horses I've raised uh and owned um he's he's put he's given me my first um graded placing uh for a owner breeder so um he's mm-hmm. He's really neat, and he's going to be a solid horse, hopefully, knock on wood. He's been a really sound, healthy horse, and he's only four. Both of those horses are only four. What was um, the name so of that horse again? I didn't catch the name of that horse. Just uh, Might. Just oh, Might. yeah, I love oh, yeah, yeah. We're, we're yeah. going to talk about Just Might. Don't worry. Yeah, so, <laughs> so he's definitely a favorite because he's like my child. I mean, we have seen him when he was just, you know, just after he was born. So, um, And then Fault, you know, she was a lovely uh Philly that we claimed and she gave me my first graded stakes win and um she was a really neat horse and and I um, got to go to Belmont and run her in a graded stakes and we placed there so those are my favorites and awesome Jill I loved love love that Philly she was really neat she won on Oaks okay, Day right yeah yeah. yeah so um oh I've got so many I mean I had a Philly um for Agave Racing <clears throat> it was my first horse I trained for him which I've been training for him for 15 or 16 years now and um that filly was called a uh, wild encounter and uh she was a cheap filly and uh when we when I got her and had a lot of issues she taught me so much um she was better than working for an assi- uh, being an assistant for any trainer because she hands-on uh, taught me so much about soundness issues and 
and mental, you know, getting them mentally ready for races and stuff. And she was, uh, she won seven races for us and a couple of stakes. And she was a Texas bred. So, but she won, I think, uh, shoot, man, she won three stakes, three or four stakes and allowance races. Um, so seven races altogether, but she was a warrior and I love that filly. She was really neat too. So lots of, lots of them, lots of favorites. Sorry. Yeah, hey, I agree. Isn't Wellington Wonder a stakes winner now in Indiana? She is. She's she is a stakes winner, and she's really really cool filly. She's just a three year old, and um, so she yeah she she broke her maiden, and she ran second in the stake first, and then broke her maiden, and then um, came back and won the stake. And she's Indiana bred, but she's really neat. She's really classy. She has not, she's a very very willing horse. She just hasn't put it all together like uh, the rider that rides her, um, Alex Ashard he's ridden her every time and he put some major great rides if it wasn't for him really urging him. He never hit her. He just urged her. Um, uh, she, against her will, didn't want to run through dirt going long on the dirt. And, um, she got up and won and it was just a pretty amazing, um, feat that she actually won. The call of the race was pretty awesome. So she's pretty cool. Philly. Yeah. I like her a lot. Hey, CC, you got any questions for, um, Miss Lovell? Oh Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I got a bunch of questions for her. Uh, Michelle, uh, when I think of you, I think of turf sprinters, and I think of first or second starts off the claim. Uh, I know that's not fair to judge you like that, but uh, <laughs> what do you think in your mind is your specialty as a trainer? You know, for a long time, my my um, my stats were turf horses, um, mostly long, just because that's what I had. Um, they were crazy, my crazy good stats. And it's because I had mostly turf horses, I guess. And we were winning quite a few races. Uh, and I had a bigger stable and I was running, um, in Texas and in Louisiana, um, at lesser meets. So it was easier to win races, you know, and, um, I guess turf, I guess I get, I get so many turf horses, uh, and I don't mind trying turf. I don't mind trying horses on turf. Uh, anyway, even if they don't, if they're not royally bred for it. And so, um, right now it's turf sprinters, it looks like, and that's okay with me. I, I like it. Um, but I just, I don't know. I guess that's just what I get. So I do pretty good with them. Um, I love fillies and turf fillies like fault. She was really neat. Um, I, they take a little bit different training for me. I train them differently than like my dirt horses and, uh, they kind of blossom that way. Just don't pound on them. Let them you know, the Phillies, if, if you hurt their feelings, they never forgive you, you know, so they're, they're kind of, they're a lot of fun to train. I really enjoy them. Do you, uh, do you advertise your services? Like I, uh, to us, I mean, we know, we know about you. We know all about you as a trainer, but you know, we kind of, we're in a horse player bubble. Like, do do you advertise no. <laughs> yourself or, or do you just, Mm-mm. you know, do you, is it just word of mouth? In it's your just word of mouth. Yeah. Through, through the years, it's just been actually word of mouth. When I, um, when I was training in Texas, of course it was all Texas people and I still have, um, my core Texas people are still with me till now. And I train, I started training for them in 2003. So through word of mouth. And then when I, when I came to Kentucky, I thought, gosh, if I could just win some races here, maybe I'll get a farm behind me or, you know, some better horses, um, better quality horses and stuff. And 
uh, it took quite a while before I picked up any Kentucky business. And, uh, but through word of mouth, um, you know, I don't advertise, uh, I just do a lot of my advertising, I guess, just on Facebook, just kind of putting some stuff out there, what my horses do, a win picture, what have you, but I don't have a website or anything. I just train what I get and, uh, I'm pretty happy with it. You know, I, I had a big for me, you know, 35 or 45 head at one time, um, split between, um, Remington and, Ritama or um, Dallas and you know I was just everywhere uh, on that circuit and it was a lot and I'm hands-on so I want to be with all of them so I was traveling a lot back and forth spend three days here three days there and I don't know how the guys do it with bigger stables it's difficult you know so I enjoy 30 I mean 20 to 30 horses is a great number any bigger than that um, would break my brain because I would want to be with them all you can't be (laughs) right uh, I want to go back to your, uh, you said you you co-bred uh, Just Mine. Do you still own the mare? You know what? And she, she, um, she, we had to put her to sleep after oh. she had the full sister to Just Might. She's a three-year-old now. She made a few starts of it as a two-year-old and I gave her a break. So she'll be back um, this fall or winter. But um, yeah, she died giving birth to the, to the filly. So we don't have her anymore. We got four babies and they were, Three of them were winners, and then we have the three-year-old filly that she'll be a winner too. Okay. So she was a good. She was a Texas-bred um, mare by a horse called Dynamo. So you never know where yeah, your well, little so, horses come from. Yeah. Sorry to hear that. Um, speaking, of, do you have any? Uh, do you have any babies in the barn? Some two-year-olds right now? I do. I have some. Uh, there, you know, a couple of them are starting to um, get ready to look for a race in the next month or so. Um, and some of them I backed off of. So I had quite a few two-year-olds for my barn, um, probably maybe five or six of them. But, uh, you know, some of them are homebreds, immature, and I'm just going to back off of them. They're just too young yet, you know. So um, nothing real exciting yet, Um, but a couple of decent little two-year-olds that I'll start soon. They'll be fun. Okay. Okay. I wanted to ask you where you fell on the uh, the Lasix debate. I know we're not racing in Kentucky on Lasix for the two year olds this year. Uh, where where are you on that? Are are you are you pro or or anti? I am I'm pro Lasix because I think that it's something that uh, horses that bleed need, and I don't really you know I don't really care about the two year olds not being on it. I mean I don't you know two year olds if they're bleeding when they're two you know, they they got a problem anyway, probably that's kind of young. Usually they start bleeding when they're getting a lot of pressure put on them, and, you know, with age and um, stress or what have you, maybe. Um, and it might just be a little um, bleeding. It's not like a big deal, but it can become a big deal. And I think that um, it's not a, it's not a nice thing for a horse to bleed. And so I think that horses, I, I think we should keep Lasix, honestly. And I think that, um, you know, a lot of therapeutic um, drugs are good to use, just not to abuse. And that's the problem that we have. So I don't know. I'm, I'm for Lasix. I have a couple owners that don't want to use it and that's fine, but you know, you have older horses that they're not going to be able to run in stakes, um, starting next year either. And, um, that's gonna put a stress on the entry box, you know, that's going to be tough, I think, because, um, some horses, they may bleed a little, but, 
if they're not getting Lasix, they, they're going to become a, more of a problem for them. And um, that's something that we don't need to see, you know, I'm, I'm in my 100%, opinion. I'm 100% in, in agreement with you. Uh, Alan, I could talk to Michelle all day. She's, she's very good. <laughs> Amen. I, I got a couple more for her here real quick. If she doesn't mind. I, I have I, nowhere to go. <laughs> can I interject? Because I know yeah, bedtime's coming up. Bedtime's like 830. But uh, just one question. So when, when you do layups with horses, let's say in Kentucky, what, what farms do you take them to do layups and get rest and, and rehab? Um, well, we've, I've, you know, some of my owners use uh, LaCroix um, yeah. and they do a great job. Um, yeah, Dell's awesome. She does a great job with the horses. Um, right now I'm using a a small farm, uh, that my blacksmith just bought last year and it's a nice little place. I've got four laid up there, one that had surgery and a couple I just wanted to kick out. And so they go out either all day or all night and get, you know, brought up, um, the other time, you know, whether to be hot, they'll be in all day and then out at night. So that's a neat little, um, spot. And he's, it's, I'm really happy for him. It's always nice when you have a farm that it can actually pay for itself. So I'm trying to support him. And that's Alfonso Quinteros. He, he okay. does a good job with them. And then um, I just went, I was spent all day in Lexington today visiting all my horses. I went to Margo. Gosh, what a beautiful place that is. Um, yeah. They have a horse in training there that I'm going to pick up in a couple of weeks, a new owner. So that's, that's exciting. And there's just, a, there's so many farms here, but um you know, uh, Rebecca, Rebecca Maker, she's done some layups for me as well and does a great job getting babies ready. So there's so many. There's It's hard to name them, actually, but there's yeah, a couple that COVID, I used recently. During COVID, it was just hard to get in a stall. Oh, my goodness. Do you know how lucky I was? I, so I, you know, in New Orleans, we just had Mardi Gras and and then the COVID started, you know, with yeah. outbreak in the United States. And we we're like, hmm. So it started getting, getting talked about more and more in the news. And then I was like, well, this place just had Mardi Gras. We had millions of people from yeah. all over the world here. This is going to be a hot spot. And it was mid-March. And I was like, we're not going to make it through this meet. And they did a great job. They, they got it. They got it through Derby Day. I didn't think I'd make it that far. But I made plans to get, get out of there. I didn't have but a maybe two more that I had planned to run that was actually in the book. And I was like, I'm just not going to um, risk it. So I got, I got to uh, Lexington because Churchill wouldn't let us in. Keeneland wouldn't let us in. And I went to a little farm uh, on Russell Cave road, um, Ashwood farm. Hmm. And uh, for two months, it was a great, uh, it was a great R and R in training, trail riding, turf training. It was a great time for my horses. Cool. They really came out of that fresh. Oh. Yeah. I got really lucky. Hey, Michelle, you know, I, one of the things we, as gamblers or horse players we, we notice is your horses go off at huge odds all the time. It, Don't it, they? It, it, isn't it amazing? <laughs> yes. So would you, do you ever notice the tote board and see your horses you know what? You know we're ready to run and, and you just laugh at how big how big the odds are? You know, it's it's crazy. I don't I, – I could probably count on one hand how many times I've actually made – a serious bet like really thinking i just i'm so silly about it i'm not superstitious about much i mean i won't walk under ladders and i do like look at black cats when they run across in front of us you know on the horse on the track or whatever you know that those are things i just you know do think about but betting on horses i just feel like if i bet on i feel like i'm it's 
pull on them. I'm like, I can't. So I hate when people ask me to bet on them. And, uh, you know, I learned a long time ago, if I, if we win, I win. If I lose and I bet I've lost twice. twice. So I don't. And so because of that, I don't pay attention to the odds, um, a lot. And then, and then when I look at it, of course, going into it, like every time change of control had a shot, a shot and she won, she was always 30 to one. I mean, she was always a long shot and uh, it still didn't make me bet on her. I was just excited to be there. And, and, uh, but yeah, they always go off long. I don't know why. If it's it's me, maybe it's me. No, it's disrespect. (laughs) We have a lot of danger field of them. Uh-huh. I remember, we remember spitefulness from earlier this year. About 95 yes, to 98. One. Yeah, 95 mm-hmm. to 1. Yes. And uh, part of that, too, um, is, you know, I choose riders that I really, when I leg up, I don't fear that they're not going to try. Or, you know, I just, and sometimes I, it's the lesser named jockeys yes. that I leg up on one, like somebody that's that's, that I really, fa- you know, that's a thing. And you ask me about being a jockey if I think it feels like it, I get kind of a leg up you know on other trainers because i was a rider there are certain things it doesn't make it right or wrong but there are certain things in a rider that i really like and when i recognize that in a young rider or a rider that's trying to get off the ground and i can see they can ride well they got great hands great timing um got a lot of trying them they're not above riding the cheaper horses and they're they don't get flustered riding the better horses with chances and I've supported Alex Richard, which is in Indiana now, and he's winning races there. And I'm really happy for him. And I've done that in the past. So that's probably one of the reasons why, like, Wellington Wonder, her first time out, Alex rode her last year, 70 to 1. You remembered, yes. And she ran second that day, maiden special, you know, Indiana bred against the Kentucky bred. So, yeah, there's a reason why they go off at super long odds. But I guess long odds is just because it's me. I don't know. I don't know. We appreciate it. I'll tell you that. That's good. I'm glad so many benefits from it. That's awesome. Speaking of change of control, uh, he's the big horse in the barn right now, I guess you would say. Um, when you first put her on, on the on the Churchill turf, because, man, does she love the Churchill turf. She does, yeah. Did you know she was going to be that good? No, I didn't. And um, it's so funny because her, her owner uh, – owner's son is who I deal with Perry Harrison Roddy Harrison owns her but Perry is the manager and it's I'm he's basically the owner too and uh we discuss um all the spots that you know his horses go into and he's really you know obviously any owner that's a breeder or wants to sell horses um as brood mares you've you've got to try to pick their spots right and you know take a few chances and um that was a spot that he really wanted to try her and I was okay with, but there was an allowance race just the same. <laughs> and I was yeah. like, can we, can we win an allowance race before we throw her in against the wolves? And man, he was right. And, uh, yeah, you got to take your chances sometimes. And boy, she's really three for three on it. I was so disturbed when it came off the turf and the unbridled Sydney. Cause I think she would have been right there in the picture. She, she ran her heart out just to be third on the dirt. She just doesn't love it. But, um, yeah, she she loves the Churchill turf. I, I wasn't a genius. I just I'm just glad we tried it. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, we, we've kept you long enough. Well, I got one more question for you. Uh, is there anything we can look forward to coming up this fall, whether it be a Churchill, Keeneland, Fairgrounds from your stable? I, I know 
just might just ran a monster race against two greatest stakes winners the other days. Or will we see him again soon? Or perhaps yeah, I'm really excited. I'm excited about him. I mean, there's a stake for both just might. Um, his is at Keeneland, and it's a grade two. The Shaker Town. And I'm not afraid Shaker. of. Yeah, yeah. I'm no the Woodford. The, the Woodford, Shaker Town right. is where we we ran in it, and we got a terrible. Uh, I'll just say trip. Um, right. Checked a few times and stuff, I and so. Yeah, it was really tough to watch because I thought he would really run well in there, and he tried. Um, so I'm not afraid to try him again on that turf. He seemed like he liked it. Um, and it's the Woodford on, um, the third of October. So he's doing super. So I'm excited about it. Um, and then, um, we call her CC. That's her nickname. So, um, change of control. Um, on the ninth over there, there's a grade three, uh, what was, what is it? A grade three, five and a half on the turf over there too. I forgot what it's called. Um, the Giants Causeway. It's the, the, yeah, the Giants Causeway, or it used to be Lady Sprint. Yes, it's the Giants Causeway, I think. So those two races are coming up at Keeneland for them, too. And then Wellington Wonders, she's got a stake. She's going to have to run against Olders, um, Indiana Breads. And it's a turf race, so we're not really sure how she's going to like it. But anyway, she's got a stake race, too, coming up in October. So um, it's always good to get those in. Um, as far as anything else exciting, I'm going to have very useful horses and, you know, just trying to get them ready. Um, so nothing really to brag about. Sorry um, to interrupt. That, that's, it's the Buffalo Trace Franklin County. Yeah. There you go. The yeah. Buffalo Trace. I've never yeah. even heard of that race. October yeah, they, they, yeah, yeah it's every that. fall. Yeah. Every, yeah, it's every fall. The Buffalo Trace. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They keep changing the names or adding more to the names. <laughs> I know it's like because of the put sponsors. More money up and sponsor, yeah. Yeah, yeah. right. Well, yeah. I tell you what, Michelle, we truly appreciate having you on here. This was fantastic. It was everything we hoped it would be, and uh, hoping maybe in the future, if you'd like to come back, we'd love to have you. Especially after one of these graded stakes wins you're going to nab next month. Well, if I nab a graded stakes, you better call me. That'd be awesome. <laughs> you got no, it. We'll do- you guys are awesome. Thank you for having me on your show. It's a uh, I'm going to have to pull it up. I didn't realize you had the podcast. I, I'm so sorry, but um, definitely uh, have to um, retweet your podcast, too. That's that's really cool. So get you yeah. guys out there more. We need more. We need more people watching racing and being fans. Yeah, you know? well, we certainly are, and we uh, certainly are fans of yours. So once again, thank you so much for joining us, and I'm sure all our listeners are going to enjoy this as much as we did. So thanks again, uh, yeah. Michelle. You're welcome. Thank you, guys. All right, it was uh, Michelle Lovell, everybody. I tell you what, Alan, that was a, that was a fun conversation. She's a really, really nice person. She is. She is fantastic. Uh, we can't say enough about her. She, we will be having her back on in the near future, and maybe hanging backside and knocking back a couple of drinks after a couple of her wins. She was. <laughs> she was fantastic. We. Yeah. She, uh, she's gonna be listening to this, and we we want her to know that we truly appreciate it and enjoyed it. Yeah, that was uh, that was fun, no doubt. Yeah. It, I think we found a new favorite trainer that's for sure i know you liked her already but yeah i think uh, i think the the uh, the support has grown immensely yeah. here in the last 30 minutes but anyway let's talk about the late pick for churchill on saturday it's a tough sequence to me i, I i'm just not i'm not feeling it. I, I, there's a, there's a good chance i'll probably be doing something else on saturday after looking at this card uh but we 
we're going to start off here with race seven. This is the first leg of the late pick four. We'll try to try to hammer out something here. This is a, a claiming race for three-year-olds, $40,000 tag going seven furlongs. Uh, I'm pretty sure there's no doubt where you're going here. Uh, Alan, uh, what do you like? Uh, you're, you're, first off, you're right. To say that I'm not really feeling this card is, is, is a, a bit of an understatement. I think there, there's, you could probably make a little bit of money here and stuff. I think it's a late pick four, pick five, probably interests me more than anything else, but, uh, we'll give it a shot here. As you said, it's a tough sequence. Um, Hey, Mike Tomlinson. I've had one of my favorite trainers on already, right? I would be remiss not to mention my other favorite trainer, Mike Tomlinson. Got one for Joe Rocco with Joe Rocco aboard, going seven furlongs in here, uh, dropping for 40000 off a layup. That's usually a pretty good recipe for Tomlinson that he's been prepping for this spot. Now, that said, the horse's name is Humbrazo, by the way. He ran a good fourth uh, to a tough field back here at Churchill earlier uh, this year, locally owned, Bell Luminaire. Uh, so the horse figures on that effort, plus the fact it's, it's Tomlinson. But I also have to mention Tyler Gaffleone and, and Mike Maker with New Eagle. The last time this horse saw the $40,000 level, he had Gaffleone aboard. It was going a one-turn mile. Today it's seven furlongs, much the same, and, and he aired staying close to the pace. So I'm looking at those two horses, New Eagle uh, and Hombrazo. Yeah, the morning line favorite here is the four Hopcat three to one on the line. I, I, I'm just not feeling this horse at all. I mean, he's got more of a turf pedigree. I know he's won. Uh, he won his first two starts on the dirt. Uh, just, I, I, I just don't, I don't see it here. I'm, I'm with you. I think the Tomlinson horse figures, uh, the maker horse, a new Eagle, uh, probably the other, I'll, I've always had a thing for the five horse victory Boulevard. Yeah. The problem is he needs a pace to run at. I'm not sure he's going to get it here. So, you know, I, I think you're going to have to use maybe three or four to, to be confident to get through. I would probably use probably the two New Eagle, maybe maybe show some love for the three Lonely Private from the Norm Cassie barn and like uh, Victory Boulevard number five and the seven horse Humbrazo. Uh, let's, let's go to race eight. This is a maiden special weight for two year old fillies. It's uh, the one turn mile at Churchill. And the morning line favorite is number four, Patty H. Last seen at Keeneland during their uh, one-week boutique meet. Trained by Brad Cox, ridden by Florence Giroux. She'll probably go off as, as the heavy choice here unless something, you know, one of these other fillies takes some action. Uh, Alan, where are you at? You know, I was, I was trying to come up with somebody to, to beat Patty H. I, I don't really feel it. I would think that this might be the single in the sequence. I wouldn't blame you if you did try to be a little bit contrary and maybe took a few others, but uh, you get the way Brad Cox is going. Uh, this horse has not run fantastic in her two maiden races, but probably run good enough to win this uh, off a of brief freshening. Some nice works uh, should set all the pace going to one turn mile with Florent Giroux. I'm going to lean in the direction of the favorite Patty H. Um, I will make one quick mention of the eight-horse Dottie with Brendan Walsh and Tyler Gaffleon for Godolphin, only because I expect Brendan Walsh and Godolphin to strike with some first-timers here uh, at this meet or possibly even in November because it was about this time last year. I'm okay last year, Brendan Walsh and Godolphin do it with Maxfield, who um, won a, a sprint race in, on his debut. So I'm, I'm not sure if this is the one to do it, 
but I'm going to be looking for Brendan Walsh and Godolphin's uh, horses to uh, to run well here in the uh, in the fall. But for me, it's Patty H. Speaking of number eight, Dottie, the 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 mother of this filly, Sweet Swinging, was a stakes filly. I don't think she won a stakes, but uh, there is some class there for sure. Uh, she hasn't produced but one other foal, and I don't think that foal has done too much. Uh, down on the rail, Rock, Paper, Scissors is a daughter of distorted humor out of Rockside. Rockside is a half-sister to Kentucky Derby winner Funnyside. So, and this filly, that would make her a half to Millionaire Rule. You remember Rule back in the day? I think yes. Todd, Todd Pletcher horse. Tampa Bay Derby winner, maybe, or Sam Davis, I think. I may be wrong about that. Yeah, the horse earned a, a million dollars. And also, uh, this is a half-sister to Matru. Uh, this is a 10-year-old stakes winner. He's won over $700,000 on the track. So, you know, this is a second-time starter for the Rudy Brissett barn. Blinkers on. You know, this filly might have a chance. She's been yeah, working. Blinkers with on with some, with some serious work since they've added the blinkers, too. So, that yeah, that's worth noting. Yeah. And then uh, you, you get a second-time starter with uh, number two, Distorted Verve, Dallas Stewart. That, there's some runners in that family. Yeah. I think uh, I th- also number seven, Rookery, the filly I needed to complete a pick for at Saratoga. She ran – it was a sloppy track that day in her second start. Last time she was beaten by a Tom Amos filly, spun de ta. And I don't think she had the best trips that day. She might be okay too. So I'm like you. I, if you could play two tickets – Maybe single Patty H on one, go four deep on the other. Great idea. Great idea. Let's go to race nine. It's a one-mile allowance race on the turf. Three years old and upward, fillies and mares that have never won a race other than maybe claiming a starter, and these are usually tough, wide-open events. The favorite is the two-horse Golden Curl for Brian Lynch, ridden by Declan Cannon, last seen at Ellis Park. Losing an allowance race to Teenage Kicks and Screenwriter, I think those were subpar fillies. I think there's a chance to beat the favorite here. What say you? I'm with you. This, you know, we, you, I think you touched on it earlier. We, we're in a bit of a, a, a dead spot uh, on the calendar. And with Kentucky Downs just closing, we're getting some, an Ellis Park closing. Uh, Keeneland's still on, on, the, uh, on the way. We're getting some uh, in-between kind of horses, I think, in these turf races. Because there just aren't that many turf horses around here right now. I, I don't think this is the best field uh, that we've ever seen. So with that in mind, I'm going to try Brandon Walsh's import Siamese for Tyler Gaffleon, who's riding really well right now to begin with. Horse gets first Lasix. Uh, two starts in Ireland when he ran against – the last two starts in Ireland ran against Phillies, or she, she ran against Phillies. Uh, she has a win in a uh, small maiden race, and she was just a head shy. And a, and a $42,000 handicap there gets Lasix. Sometimes these horses that come seaside, stateside, improve with Lasix. There's not a lot in here to beat if the horse does have any talent. I'm not saying I would single the horse, but I think it has to be under ticket. I would not be surprised if this horse took some money. Uh, outside of that, I don't have a strong opinion elsewhere. Uh, I think you might have to look at Edgy Angel or... Go, uh, the aforementioned Golden Curls, I'm not that crazy about, but I'm going to lean to Siamese, and I, I bet she takes some money, too. Yeah, I'm with you there. Also, like you said, number three, Edgy Angel catches my eye. I've been trying to, oh, yeah. been trying to catch this filly all summer. 
last time she had a really tough trip. She got kind of behind horses late. And I thought maybe she had some run that day. I'm going to give her another chance. I'm going to use her. I don't think she's a single by any stretch, but I think this filly's got some talent. I don't know. Maybe she's working her way back up to, to that big race she ran at Turfway back in March. Uh, but, yeah, I'm, I'm going to use her. I think she's just as good as the two-horse Golden Curl who came out of the same race. Uh, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm spreading here. Uh, there's yeah. nothing here that, I'm, uh, that I trust. Uh, Agreed. Tip, you know, tipsy gals trying to turf for the first time. We thought she might be something over the summer, but she's really not. She's really not come. You know, come around. Saint Sation might be okay. She's got. She got some turf breeding in her pedigree. Her, her, her dam is by Scat Daddy, but uh, and, she, she and she's gotten up, better. She woke up with when they took the blinkers off last time. That was a pretty okay field. Uh, she beat here a couple of weeks ago. So the fact that she ran so well. Uh, with the blinkers off in this field, uh, in, in case the light has went on for her, I think you would want to use her too. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. But my selection, I guess, would be Edgy Angel number three. And then, like I said, though, I'd probably go pretty deep here. Uh, let's wrap up the card with another tough race. It's a maiden claimer for three years old and up, six and a half furlongs on the dirt. It's a $50,000 claimer. And the favorite looks to be number five. It's a wrap from the Steve Asmussen barn. Ridden by Ricardo Santana Jr. This horse was last seen at Saratoga on the grass. Claimed for $40,000 out of that effort off of Michelle Nevin. Asmussen switches him back to the dirt. I don't like him, but uh, I don't like a lot in here. So what, what do you think? You know, I'm with you there. I don't like the horse that much either, but it's a nine-horse field. I can make the case for six easy. Uh, and so if I did that, I would have to use It's a Wrap. I think your potential contenders is Oak Room, who we thought was going to be a, a runner earlier this year for Brad Cox. All of a sudden, he's in for 50 and the trainer switch. On your mark for Greg Foley, uh, the, the Catalano first-timer, Perfect Sense, has been working well for Gary Mary West, Rye Humor, Ian Wilkes. Uh, I'm having a hard time splitting these horses. I guess if you made me choose one, I'm probably going to take uh, on your mark with Greg Foley, a nice second place finish at, at this level at Keeneland. I, on your mark or Oak Room, maybe. Uh, again, I don't have a strong opinion. I, I would use a few in here to close a pick for. If I'm alive, I'm going to use five or six in here. Yeah, when I initially looked at the race, I, I liked number two, Monte Nay, a little bit, but you know, they gave $300,000 for this horse and they're giving up on him after three starts. I, th I, I thought he showed some promise in his first start. Yeah. Then they run him, they run him at Ellis uh, going, going that one and a half turn mile and he, and he showed nothing. And now they're, they're done with him. They, they, they're going to run him for 50. That tells you that there's probably some kind of issue with him. They run him first Lasix this time, but I, I just think if, if they like this horse at all, they would, they would, you know, keep him in the straight maiden ranks and maybe run him in Oakland next year. Uh, I looked at number three, Oak Room. This is a first-time – well, it's not a first-time starter. He's a third-time starter racing for Moquette. Looks like a private purchase, and they, they, they're running with blinkers on this time. Uh, Moquette does this. He, he, he's got some connections that, that acquire these horses. and You know, it, it's possible that Jud, Judmont, you know, they don't need the money. They might have given up on him, sold him for 25000 or something like that. I don't know. I'm just speculating. You know, and, and they, they debut him for 50 might, you know, it might be a positive move for these, 
for these yeah. connections. So it's it's hard to say. I like the fact that uh, Moquette gets Tyler Gaffley on. I think that's a positive signal. So I think this horse might be live. Uh, I can't get past number four, War Detonator. It's a son of Warfront, and that's you know a lot of a lot of grass breeding there. But this is uh, this is a class drop for Ben Colebrook, and boy, I get sick of chasing the Colebrook runners. Uh, they, <laughs> it is it, it is tough sledding. He's only nine percent on the year, but uh, you know I might give this horse a look. Uh, he and Landry pr- do pretty well at Churchill. They're batting twenty seven percent over the last year at Churchill alone together. Uh, you know, outside of that, it's just, it's a tough race. It's a tough race to find any footing here. So, I mean, I'm, I'm probably going to, if I play a pick four, I'm probably going to single Patty H on one ticket and might try, I don't know, might try to single Oak Room in the finale, maybe try to get a lot to him. It might pay something decent, but like I said, I'm, there's no, no guarantee I'm going to play this card. I might, I might, uh, give my bankroll a rest for once. Yeah. Yeah, I don't have a strong opinion in this race. I could, uh, I think I could play five or six in this race and, and not feel confident that I have the winner amongst the nine. But uh, as you said, Oakland would have to be on the ticket. He's the one in the race that could be, quote unquote, special. So that's all for Churchill. I will note that uh, the Woodbine Mile is on Saturday with the return of Preakness winner and Maker's Mark Mile winner, War of Will. Uh, Comes back at uh, at Woodbine for Mark Cassie. Uh, uh, looks like I, I, mean, I haven't looked at the card too much, but I, I'm I'm dying to play against this horse all the time. So um, yeah. <laughs> it's worth it's know, worth it, taking a look. Yeah. If I'm if I'm laying on the couch Saturday, I might take a look at Woodbine because they they've got a pretty good card, I think. Uh, but uh, that's all for now. We it was a very enjoyable pod for me. I enjoyed having Michelle Lovell on and, and hope to hope to talk to her more in the future. Cause she's, uh, she's very knowledgeable and a very good person. And, uh, Alan, uh, you got anything else you want to add? Uh, yeah, as a matter of fact, I do. Uh, my good friend, Kim Grigsby, uh, works for the racetrack chaplaincy of Kentucky and they are holding a golf scramble down in Nicholasville on October the 6th. She asked me to mention it. It's at Champions Trace in Nicholasville. And it's if you know anything about the Racetrack, Champ- uh, racetrack Chaplaincy Program, you know it's a wonderful organization. And if you like golf, want to get out there, try the uh, golf scramble October 6th at Champions Trace in Nicholasville. So, so that sounds like a fun time if you're into that type of thing. All right. Uh, sums it up for uh, for this weekend. Hope everybody has a good week. Hope uh, hope you have a profitable week. Everybody stay safe. And uh, on behalf of Alan Schneider and Brandon Jaggers, this is CC Broadus telling you that gambling money ain't got no home.